going to conclude with an anointing and impartation service. And what we're going to do is we're going to form kind of like a prayer tunnel because of the space in here. That way everybody will have an opportunity to get prayed for. And we'll have you walk from over there through here. And we're going to pray for you. Um, some of our leadership team's going to join me in doing that at the conclusion after we've all shared what the Lord has in our spirit for this closing session. And... Um, Amazing, my amazing family has made it possible for all these things to be recorded and streamed. I know that we had a little challenge with some of it. We were attempting to use the internet at Snows yesterday, but it kept uh, dropping out. It wasn't, uh, a lot of these facilities don't have high speed internet, so it won't work. But Bethany caught the audio of everything, and so um, it's already uploaded. I should, that girl went home, well, she's already got it all uploaded, so uh, it is awesome. So. If you missed the whole conference, or if you're like me, you were here, but so much has been downloaded spiritually that you need to chew on it a little bit, go back and listen again and again and let it continue to feed your spirit because we've always, as uh, Robin said, none of us talked about to each other about what we were speaking on, um, but, but we did, you know, all flow together everything flowed together and i love how the lord orchestrates it that we each are hitting on different topics so that everybody is touched in various ways amen so i just wanted to let you know that several years ago and i shared just briefly about this yesterday but we do have a lot of different people here today than we had yesterday but uh, for over 10 years i have been connected to christian women in many uh, in media and um it's been a, a great it is a phenomenal organization. If you are interested in any aspect of media and getting the word out, whether it's on radio, whether it's on a book you're trying to write, that God's put it in your spirit to write a book, whether it's um, videos that you're wanting to produce, go live, on uh, uh, information about streaming, about whatever else they've got women in this international organization that can do it. And I was honored uh, to be able to, to establish the Louisiana chapter of it. And I resigned my position. I held it for about five years, I think, four and a half or five years. And I started a chapter in just in the state of Louisiana. And then we broke it off and had several chapters. So we ended up with one in Lake Charles, one in the Shreveport area, one in um, New Orleans and Baton Rouge. So Bethany had Baton Rouge. I had New Orleans. And so we were, we were really trying to make an impact and challenge people and help them find ways to walk in obedience to their vision and their call. Through this organization, one of the greatest things for me has been the relationships that I've been able to establish. And um, I, I have some lifelong connections that I have made through this organization. And that's been a blessing. And three of them came in this week. Two of them drove in from Dallas and one flew in from Atlanta. And uh, you got to hear Destiny share yesterday. Destiny has a major media ministry and she's working on your second book now, right? Publishing your second book. And um, she's host, host conference, a lot, lot of amazing things. But I love this about Lisa. I don't think I've ever met anybody. Lisa's going to come share with you for a few minutes, okay? And I don't think I've ever met anybody in my life as bubbly as Lisa is. Now, Lisa has told me, because I've only known her a few years, and um, we've only been together maybe four or five times to actually be together. And uh, she was 
for many years, she was the reporter for ESPN. So she even was a reporter here in the Superdome at one of the Super Bowls, right, honey? And so she has had, she's got a, a huge, um, I guess, resume of things that she has accomplished through the years. But now she leads and has a major ministry, media ministry, going all over the world, touching the lives of people. And she's got a powerful testimony. So I asked her, since she was here, I said, I asked these ladies, I put them on the spot. I said, while y'all are here, can y'all just come and share for a few minutes and just whatever the Holy Spirit's putting in your heart and share it with us. So I'm gonna invite Lisa Burkhart Worley to come and share. I appreciate it, Beverly. I've, <laughs> I've enjoyed this conference so much. It was worth a seven-hour and half, <laughs> half drive, right, wasn't it, Catherine? But we, in, I, we know everything about each other now. I mean, every little detail. So, But don't ask us because we're not going to tell. But, uh, you know, how many of you remember what you were doing do, during the global pandemic when we were locked in? And you're probably thinking... We were home, right? We were all home. But I bet we spent a lot more time with the Lord during that time, didn't we? Yeah, I did. And you know, sometimes I feel like God has to lock us in with Him in order to unlock us, doesn't it? We have to lock in, steal away with God. And that's what happened to me. And during that time, I was, uh, I'm a Jewish girl, and so I was fasting from leavened bread uh, during Passover. And during that time, God shifted me. Has he ever shifted you guys? <laughs> I'm sure you've all had a shift in your life, but this was a major shift because he called me to work on my doctor of ministry in school. Now, the last time I went to school, when I was done, after five years of blood, sweat, and tears, I said, I'm never going back to school. I don't need to go back to school. I'm happy with the way it is. I don't ever have to go back to school. But when we tell God we're never going to do something, I can see him up there talking to Jesus and saying, did you hear what she said? <laughs> what year are we going to send her back? And so that is exactly what happened to me. He called me to do a doctor of ministry. And so uh, before I started school, which was two years ago, um, I had a prophetic word. And a woman who was on staff at the school said, Lisa, God has called you back to school because he is sending you ahead of others. And you're going to come back and you're going to teach people what he has taught you. I've held on to that word because it's come to fruition so many times. How do you know a prophet's for real is when it comes to, to truth, right? It happens and it has happened. So this today is going to be another fulfillment of prophecy because I'm going to tell you about what I've learned at school. And so I'm going to talk about what I learned about worship. And I thought this was so appropriate that I got kind of moved back because it, it really plays well off of Rochelle's message. And so what I learned about worship is uh, interesting because, you know, I, my word this year was humble, right? Uh, every day I ask myself, was that a humble thing to say? Was that a humble thought to have? Is that a humble thing to do? And I, I, I've been saying that to myself every day, and, and it's very humbling. You know, you, you really work on your pride that way. Uh, and, and so I think it's very important that we ask ourselves that. It's convicting. And so when I worship, I humbly worship. You know, for many years I thought it was me in a humble position, uh, a, a lower, you know, than dirt really, a little dot on the map of God's map. 
humbly worshiping him for all that he's done in my life, right? When I sing, I say, thank you, Lord. Every time I'm so thankful for my salvation because I was a lost kid. I didn't grow up in the church like you guys did. Someone had to reach out to me and grasp me and take me out of the pit. When I was 14 years old, I was fatherless and I had a mentally ill mother. And so I had to be rescued from that and God rescued me. And so when I worship, I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for rescuing me uh, out of the pit. Thank you so much for taking me out of a life of dysfunction. Thank you for, uh, for restoring what the locusts have eaten. So when I worship, it's a, it's, it was a one-way street. You know, I was in a humble position. But what I learned in school this year was from Jack Hayford. Some of you may know that name. A Pentecostal leader uh, at the Church on the Way in Van Nuys, California. And we read a book called Majesty. Yes. And this is what he said about worship. He said when we worship, we become partners with God in his kingdom. He wants to give us the keys to the kingdom when we worship. He wants to transmit his kingdom authority to us and through us and flow through us his life, his love, and his healing to a hopeless world. He wants to give a good, loving God wants to give us his keys. Jack Hayford goes on to say, God has given us worship for our recovery, for our restoration, our reviving, our redemption, and our refreshing. I've got a couple of God children. Uh, their names are Isaac and Ethan, and they come over to my house sometimes, and I always give them a little gift. And they come over, and little Isaac, who's five years old, he'll come up to me, goes, Lily, that's what he calls me. He goes, did you get me a present? And Lily always has a present for him, right? Always has something. But that's the way our father is. When we worship, we come into his house. Uh, Someone once said that praise is God's address. We've come to his house. We've walked in, and he has gifts for us, waiting. He's waiting for us to come in his presence. He says, daughter, I know you need healing. Here. Thank you for praising me and coming into my house. I want to give you, I want to give you a gift of healing. Daughter, I know that you need restoration in your life from your family. Lord, daughter, here you go. I've been waiting for you to walk in my door and, and, and hear your praise. And I'm, I'm going to give you a key. I'm going to give you a key to restoration in your family. God is a good God like that. When I read in the Psalms, I wanted to find a Psalm that... Um, that spoke to this and I found Psalm 103 and David says praise the Lord my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth here it is again is renewed like the eagle The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. And I've got to believe that as David prays, he was receiving the keys to the kingdom. So I'd like to try this with you guys before I close. And I'd like to just, okay, I'm a frustrated worship leader, but I tried to to sing one time after one of my speaking engagements with a guitar, wrote a song. And I thought that did not sound like it did when I was playing at home. You know, it was a little pitchy. So I want you to take over once I lead you, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your hands in the air. 
And I want you to hold your palms open to receive the keys to unlock the kingdom. And so I'm going to lead you in this, this praise song. I know you know it. It's real easy. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. I he loved it you know worship is not a one-way street it's a two-way street and that is what I learned at school Thank you. thank you Lisa and if y'all are interested in Christian women let me know and I'll connect you with um, the lady that um, has taken my position. Her name is Beth Townsend and she's the now the Baton Rouge director. If you have a passion for media and you want to get involved, just let me know and I'll get you in the right direction. Mary, Mary can you bring me that little bottle of water? I think it's about all gone. I probably need about 12 of them at this point. You know how I am. Last night I spoke on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to speak to you a little bit right now on mantles, anointing, and impartation. And um, and then Bethany's going to share for a few minutes, but I know she had to step out to take care of the baby. And so she'll be back in a little bit. And um, then we're going to pray and dismiss and call this conference history. Mantles, anointing, and impartation. Um. I'm going to go, I've got a lot of notes here, but I'm going to skip through a little bit here. And um, one of the things I want to share with you, and Katie, who used to be my right hand, worked for us forever. Um, she'll probably remember what I'm going to tell you. But for many years, Garland and I were youth pastors. And even when we became senior pastors of the church in 1999, I still had headed up the youth ministry until my children were old enough and Brandon was about finished with college and able to take on that position until such time as Katrina came and changed our world. But um, in that time frame, there was a young man in our youth ministry who, who came to us one day. I mean, Garland and I, it broke our hearts. And he said... I know y'all talk about generational anointings and generational mantles. He said, but my dad is on death row because he made wrong choices in his life. I know Brandon and Bethany have generational blessings and anointings coming to their life. But what about somebody like me? I mean, 
first of all, we we wept like Robin said today. <laughs> I mean, we were just, it, it just destroyed us because we felt the pain and the hopelessness and whatever. And we questioned ourselves, God, have we preached it so much that people have felt like if they didn't get born into a Christian family, that there's no hope for them. And I want to tell you that in my family, to my awareness from my dad's side, I'm only a third generation Christian, much less minister. I don't know as much about my mom's side of the family as far as if beyond that third generation back, if there were other Christians in there. But I know my dad is the one who he and his mother went and accepted the Lord about the same time. And so, and my dad's father was an alcoholic. For a period of time, my mother's father was, a period, was an alcoholic as well for a period of time. And then he straighten that out it might be because my grandmother would go get the bottles and pour them out and put colored water in them which made him so happy they were both quite characters they were a lot of fun but um but anyway he so so we did not we we haven't had this for like you know like Patrick Kiteley's coming to minister he was with us again in last February at Blizzard Breakaway and, and he comes every so often uh, and he he's a seventh generational minister I'm like wow how does that happen that's amazing so it's got to start somewhere so you can receive an impartation and a mantle by association. It does not have to be generationally, but you can say it's beginning with me and I'm changing all of this for my future generations that are to come. So we're gonna talk about that for a little bit. The word anointing is defined as a marking or a smearing. That's a definition of it. Technically, when you take a piece of bread and you smear that butter on that bread, you're anointing. That's, that's the concept of it. You're anointing that bread with so much goodness that is so evil. <laughs> Another definition of anoint is to pour oil upon as a sign of consecration. It was customary to anoint the head with oil, also to anoint the body for burial. Also, there were times in the Word of God we studied where our eyes, people's eyes were anointed. If my eyes are anointed, <clears throat> excuse me, they are set apart and consecrated only to see what the Holy Spirit wants me to see. Wow. That's all I want to see, what He wants me to see. Because I am a temple and I'm housing Him. You know, last night I... I had destiny come up and help me and hold that jar. And I poured that water, symbolic of the Holy Spirit, in that jar. And I said, that jar was a vessel. That's us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We house him. Our ears can be anointed so that I'll only hear what he wants me to hear. 1 John 2.27 says, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. 
And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. The whole key in this whole verse here, it's talking about the anointing, but it's talking about us abiding in him. We got to abide in him. Christ's name, the name Christ means the anointed one. So we as Christians have taken on his nature and we're joint heirs with him. We are anointed. Psalms 23 verse 5 says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Well, I've got umpteen scriptures here about anointing, about Aaron being having his head anointed and having uh, it be poured upon him until it ran down his beard, his body, and his clothes. You know, I know when my husband ministers from this aspect, he'll say, if it was running down his garment, that means it was dripping from the hem of his garment where everywhere he went, he was leaving a residue of that anointing everywhere he went. That's what, that should be what we want to do, to leave a residue of the anointing everywhere we go. Baby, is there a fan that could be put in front of me? Because the minute I stepped on this stage, I mean, it's just demonic <laughs> first corinthians 12 7 says it's the same god that worketh all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to everyone to profit with all James chapter 5 verses 13 and 15 has verses about how believers anoint one another getting to this verse about mantles mantles comes from a hebrew word you'll be studying all that m-e-y-l i'm not sure how you pronounce it m-e-y-l it's a hebrew word and it means robe or cloak elisha's calling to the ministry the mantle falling upon him because some mantles are generational and others come by association and impartation now everybody talks about how that when elijah was taken up that he dropped the mantle down to elisha okay we're very familiar with that story but i think we don't always stop and think about the fact they were not related to each other. They weren't family. Elisha, Elisha was, uh, he was with his own parents when he felt the call to follow Elijah. The word says he left his mother and his father. He left basically his career, his livelihood, the oxen, it says. He went away from all of that where he would plow with the oxen. He walked away. Thank you, honey. <laughs> and uh, that he, he walked away from all of that. And in order to come and to be one who would follow Elijah. If you study it out, I'm not going to break it down because you've had so much word in the past almost 48 hours that at some point it's overload you know that's what Trudy tells me don't you think after a little while they've heard enough and we need to let them go and so <laughs> but um so I'm I'm not gonna do an in-depth sermon right now because the main thing we're leading up to is receiving an impartation today but he 
Elijah would tell Elisha, he would say, stay here, don't come with me. And Elijah would go do what he was doing. Next thing you know, he'd turn around. I think that even like, uh, was it um, Rochelle saying that sometimes she thinks the Lord, the, the, the just definition was the Lord was a little bit indignant, a little bit aggravated. She was saying that a while ago. I think Elijah probably got a little aggravated. Wait, what are you doing? You keep following me. I told you to stay there and wait for me. And every time I turn around, you're right there. It was because he was so hungry and desperate for the power and the presence and the anointing of God to be manifest in his life and to flow through him. So he was walking away from everything. He left his family. He left his career. He left his livelihood. He left everything because he wanted the anointing. He paid a price to get that anointing. See, all of us in this room are anointed, but some of us are going to see it fulfilled in different levels and measures based upon our sacrifice. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? You know, when you're in a marriage situation or even a dating situation, there's going to be times that somebody says something to you that frustrates you, aggravates you, and you, you want to lash back. And you have to sit there and weigh it out. Is it worth the war that is yet to come? If I say this that way, the damage that can be done, irreparable. Pastor Robin said this morning, which we all know, it's such a lie to say sticks and stones break my bones, but the words will never hurt me. No, people in this room are still scarred from words that somebody said to them years ago. And the people who said those words may be in the grave right now, yet their words still haunt, still torment, still form a level of control over our lives. And so, so we are, we understand even in our walk with God, that if we want something bad enough, we've got to work at it. Just like in your marriage, just like with your friendships, just like with your siblings, your family. You have to work at it. You've got to be willing to pay a price. So Elisha did. And Elisha ignored every time Elijah told him, stay here, stay here. And he kept going. Even when the day that Elijah was taken up, he was told the same thing again. When Elijah started to go and cross that Jordan, and he told Elisha to wait here, you know, he's always telling him, would you wait here? If you have a, a puppy or in the house or, or if you've got young children around you, you can be working in the kitchen or doing something and all of a sudden you turn around quickly to do something you don't realize they're underfoot and before and that's how I picture Elisha with Elijah so how bad are you wanting it you see there are people in our life that are looking at us similar to the sons of the prophets to, who, who said where is the Lord the God of Elijah now they had a mocking spirit and some of us may have people in our lives that have that mocking spirit. But for some people, that's not the issue. They're just desperate. They need a miracle so bad. So they're, they're tired of hearing you and me tell them about a God that can do it. They want to know of a God who 
will do it, who has done it, has done it for you, and will do it for them. They don't want to just keep hearing all of the promises. They want to see the manifestations take place. Now, you'll know this is like a tag from what I shared last night. And as I said, I'm not going in depth. I know Bethany's coming to share something in a moment. And then we're going to go into prayer. But um, I just want to encourage you in this. Don't get hung up on the fact that, well, I don't have a generational anointing. No, if you want it bad enough, you're going to find it. You're going to find a way to get it. I can tell you that years ago, Garland and I, when we, because we were raised in basically a lot of Pentecostal denominations, are a threefold ministry. They believe in pastors, evangelists, and teachers. They do not believe there's prophets and apostles today. Now, some of them have started to embrace some of that, but even under the same name of a denomination, this church might embrace fivefold, and that one does not. It's, they're not even on the same page. So I was raised only taught about and I have a phenomenal heritage spiritually. I, didn't, I don't feel like I lacked anything. I'm just saying we didn't know that there were a, a five-fold ministry. Never heard that expression. You know, we read the scripture about the apostles and prophets. There's several scriptures about it. I, I have some of these slides, but I'm not going to take the time to go into it now in Ephesians, where it talks about how the church needs to be established. But, but we weren't aware of all of that. And so since we became aware of these things, Garland and I became so hungry to know more about it. What do you mean, prophets? Garland and I, and, and years years ago, we were really struggling financially. We had, had, our family had been hit with some very challenging situations that affected every one of us. And so we, we went through seasons of great loss and great struggle. And I, I can remember us, we'd pick up our kids from school on Friday afternoon and we'd drive to Pensacola, Florida because we heard we knew there was a revival going over there. We wanted to just be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We just wanted to sit there and bask in that anointing. We would had certain prophets that were very dear to us and we would get in the car and we would spend money we didn't have. It's like Garland was saying he said something about it maybe last Sunday, I don't know, recently. And we all we had money for was to go eat the Grand Slam, a dollar 99 Grand Slam and I don't even like eggs, but you know what? It keeps you going, you know, and and that's all we had the money to do, and we did it because why? We were hungry for it. We paid a price. We went without sleep. We would drive all night long and get back home in time for services at our own church because we wanted the fullness of what God had for us. So you gotta want it so bad that you can almost taste it, and that you're willing to say, okay, because when you want something that bad, it's not hard for you to separate from the relationships in your life that are holding you back you there's a clearly defined um, line Bethany drew her line in the sand yesterday and talking about a different reason for stepping over that line but I'm just saying that there's a there's a, a line in the sand and we got to make a decision what do we want and if you're not on the same line I love you and I can be acquainted with you but you're not going to be in my inner circle because I know what God's called me to do I told him yes to that call and I'm going for it with everything inside of me. Nobody's going to hold me back. Not family's going to hold me back. Opinions of others are not going to hold me back. The fact that I'm a woman is not going to hold me back. None of that's going to hold me back. 
I'm going to it to pursue and I'm going to walk in what he called me to do because that is my passion. I'm not going to let anything stop me. We've got to get that level of determination. You know, passion is uh, when you when you are passionate about something. It the definition of it says that it is a a compulsion. It's a driving compulsion inside of you. It's like you can't help yourself. I've got to have the Holy Spirit move my life. I can't help myself. I'm going to do whatever I need, whatever I have to do. I'm going to sacrifice whatever I must sacrifice. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek his face. I'm going to study his word. I'm, I'm going to let him wake me up in the middle of the night if I have ever gone to sleep yet. I'm going to, I'm going to let that happen because I, I want what he has for me, not just for me, but I know what he's called me to accomplish. So if I don't get filled up, I can't give out to others. Trudy talked earlier about being emptied before you can be filled. We have to empty ourselves. We have to let him fill us up. And then we have to pour that out on others. It's a constant, like a cycle. That's what we're doing. And we've got to want it bad enough to let that happen. And the, the main example, there are several others in the Bible. But the main example I'm sharing with you this morning is about, or this afternoon, is about Elisha and Elijah. If you just look at that one story and you grasp that concept, they were not related. But yet he passed the mantle to him. And he fulfilled double the miracles in his lifetime than Elijah accomplished in his lifetime because he was passionate. He was driven with passion. He didn't let anything stop him. Even when the prophet, his mentor, would stand right there and would say to him, stay here, don't come with me. Buddy, I ain't missing out on this because you might raise a dead. I'm going to be right there. I'm gonna, I don't want you to come back and tell me about it. I want to see it. I want to be right there. I might want to touch the dude you're raising from the dead myself. I want to be in it. So what price are we willing to pay? How bad do you want it? Because you do, whether they're telling you or not, every one of you has people in your circle that they might be in your church. You might see them in your service tomorrow morning who in their spirit, they're saying, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? I need him to show up for me. Where is he? Does he still live today? Because they've never seen the demonstration. Some of you have heard me tell this and it's just coming to me to share it really quickly and then Bethany's coming. But um, years ago, Garland and I, when we were in youth ministry, God took us on the wildest journeys. Already our personal life had been through the wildest journeys that we don't even want to talk about. But then God started bringing people to us, young people to us that were in the occult. So we wrote a booklet on occult awareness. I I don't even have a copy of it anymore. I wish I did. We didn't publish it or anything. I did hours of work on that. That's that's probably, that's the second book I wrote, but we never published. But um, it wasn't even in my mind. But we were asked by different churches. They would hear about it, have us come to their churches and teach on it. Now, here's the challenge. We were youth pastors. Youth pastors don't have an intercessory prayer group that prays for youth pastors. Hopefully, the senior pastor does, but not the youth pastor because they're just taking care of the kids. 
So we didn't have a prayer covering that we needed. And we were in intense warfare at the same time my dad asked us to teach the classes on spiritual warfare. He also asked Garland to teach the classes training the altar workers. So we, in the course of this, we went to Colorado to a Satanism symposium that was taught by ministers. But we felt we don't know how. We've both been raised in church and taught about the God's love our whole life. We don't know how to reach people coming out of the occult. We don't know anything about the occult. So we had to study it. So Garland was on a fast before we went to Colorado, or maybe in right afterwards. But he was on a fast, and he... Um, he went down to the French Quarter. Now, in the French Quarter, there are voodoo shops. There are some that are just for, um, what do you call, like souvenirs, like tourist things, you know. But then they also have the authentic on St. Philip Street. They have the authentic, and there's others, but that one's one of the authentic um, um, voodoo shops. And Garland went in there. At that time, we had some kids in our church that were dealing with their father, who had been in a religion that we also had never heard of. We were ignorant to this. We knew about God's love. But now the word says, my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. One translation says understanding, but most translations use that word knowledge. So we had to go to a place in our mind and say, if we're going to help them, we're going to get some knowledge. How are we going to help these people? Because he was preaching one night, and one of the girls stood up and stopped him in the middle of his sermon crying. She said, I can't sleep at night because I keep seeing visions of my, my dad with the chicken and the blood cauldron. And we're like, what? Where'd you come from? What are you talking about? You know? Then another girl came in who was a Pentecostal missionary's daughter. And Garland was preaching, and he stopped in the middle of his sermon. He said, you have been entertaining a witch. In fact, demons have been biting you on your legs, and you've got marks and scars on your legs. She raised her pants legs and showed us she had marks on her legs. She didn't tell her parents. The witches that she had been in contact with, had, Garland told her this. He said, and you've been given coins, and you were told to put these coins. You, you remember any of this? You've been told to put these coins in your shoes. And we didn't know what any of this meant. So here we are. We just want to study the Word of God. We want to flow in the Holy Spirit. Now we're having to deal with all this because that's what God was bringing our way. So Garland's in this witchcraft shop. He walks in, before he walked in, he said he had the most pounding headache ever, the demonic warfare coming against him. He had been fasting for several days. He goes in there, and when he did, the owner of the shop or the manager, whatever, behind the cash register says, what do you want with us? About that time, a curtain opens in the back where a man was given a palm reading. The lady getting her palm read was horrified and she, the man opened the curtain. He says, what do you want with us? They all got up and left. There was one lady and Garland left in there for a little bit. In the middle of this shop, this witchcraft shop, there was a coffin filled with voodoo dolls. And so this woman starts following Garland and she's hissing at him. She comes to the coffin and she jumped over 
the coffin which was opened and then she came back hissing at him and then in a little bit she ran out too so he says he was only one in the shop <laughs> they were outside but they were all looking in the window at him but he was finally able to buy what he was looking for. He bought a sat satanic Bible. He bought all these things we needed, came home and poured anointing oil on top of it because the Bible says don't bring any cursed thing in your house. And our kids were little. And, and we both believed that because of that season in our life when Bethany was born, that's why she's so sensitive to it and has been casting demons out of people since she's like 12 years old because she's not afraid of it. It's like saying sick them to a dog. She's like, let me at them, okay? Because she, they need to be delivered, you know? And so, so, and I think that's the reason, but we didn't have the prayer covering that we needed. But we went through this season in our life and I don't even know why I felt led to go here, but I did. And I know there's somebody in here that apparently some of this is applying to you that you've been entertaining some things you don't need to be entertaining. But God taught Garland through that time when this woman was following around the shop and hissing at him. He finally, he said after a little bit, it hit him. He's like, check this out. So then he walked over here and she followed him over there. And then he walked over here and she followed him over there. And he began to realize firsthand, not just what we'd been taught our whole life, but firsthand, like it is the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me. I didn't say a word. I just walked into this place. I just opened the door and walked in and it's made all of them uncomfortable. It disturbed the palm reading. It disturbed everything that was happening in there. And this one woman, demoniacs, following him around and hissing at him and all this other craziness that's going on. Okay, we live in a, t a day and age. That was, Bethany was a baby. She was about two at that time. And um, it, it hasn't gotten better. The word told us that it would get worse as time passed. We can't afford to live without the Holy Spirit. And we can't afford to keep the Holy Spirit in the jar like I showed last night with the lid screwed tightly on the top. We can't afford to do that. We've got to let him out of the box. We've got to let him do what he needs to do. You have been marked with an anointing and depending upon the price you pay will determine the level of anointing you will walk in in your lifetime what price are you willing to pay what are you willing to sever in your life who are you willing to walk away from what books are you willing to purge out of your house because they really don't exalt the lord and you don't need to be reading those novels programs you don't need to watch people you don't need to be talking to what is it that god needs to purge out of your life so that you can be that holy vessel acceptable unto the Lord so he can work and flow through you. Some of us may need to go home and have a house cleaning and, and, and burn some things. <laughs> Take them out and burn them. Don't let that curse. The word clearly says don't bring a cursed thing in your house. Now we have authority over it, but why you want to play with that? We got enough warfare we're dealing with. So why you want to play with that? Don't tolerate that. Don't let your kids bring that foolishness in the house. Don't let it happen. Deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it. Take your place. If you're the head of that house, take your place. Take your, and, and, and plant your feet firmly. You know, it was during that season that Garland got a call one night, and this man says, I'm the head of occultic crime, chief of police in New Orleans. 
I received your name, Mr. Bilbo. I was told that you're a minister that could help people that are dealing with the occult. He said, I'm a Catholic man. We help them as much as we can, but we don't know how to help them. Would you meet me on South Broad Street at the police station at midnight tonight? And I was like, no, we don't have a prayer covering. No, don't go down there. I mean, even if he wasn't dealing with all the demonic stuff, you don't need to be on South Broad Street 20 or 30, and definitely not now, but 20 or 30 years ago at midnight. Meeting a cop or not, you don't need to be there, you know. But Garland went. And this gentleman gave Garland, I don't know why, because we didn't need or want this either. He gave him boxes of files of cases that they cannot solve. And he said, we know it's all cases. People disappeared, things happened. And we know it was all occult related, but we can't track it down. And Garland asked him, he said, well, now what about voodoo? And oh, voodoo, that's just our culture, our heritage. But he began sending people to the church and some of y'all were in the church then on North Holland and we had some characters come in there. <laughs> and you know what? They speak in tongues. But it's demonic tongues. You don't know what spirit it's of. And some of them would freak out when they would hear us. I remember on Elysian Fields one night, we had an altar call. Uh, oh, actually, Garland was preaching and while he was preaching, these three young people came walking in the church I don't know why I'm going here. I haven't even thought about this in years. But we're in the church and the, these three kids come walking in the middle of your sermon. You remember that? And one of them had a baby bottle hanging out of his mouth. Remember that? And we don't know what was in the bottle. I don't think we wanted to know. And they didn't sit in the back like where the saints would want to sit. No. You know, people come to church an hour early and sit on the back row. I don't get it. No, I want right up front where it's going on. I want, if they spit when they're preaching, okay. I'm getting that Holy Ghost spit. It'll be all right. I'll wipe it off later. You know, I want the anointing. I want to be right there where it's at. They came up while he's in the middle of a sermon, sat on the second row. And they didn't disturb. They just sat there. We didn't know what. So at the altar call, they all came up. So we're like, okay, what's going on? So, <laughs> so anyway, we went to pray for them. I went to touch one of them. And when I touched one of them, he screamed, turned around, and ran out of the church. And one of the young men, Wayne, ran out after him. And Wayne said, what happened? He said, she burned me. She burned me. She burned. All I did was touch his arm. And I said, honey, we're going to come back and pray for you in a minute. My husband and I are going to pray for you together. I just touched his arm. I didn't have the ability to burn him. I didn't want to burn him. He felt the power of the Holy Spirit emitted through me. And it affected the demons that he was carrying. See, when we understand who we are, we understand what we're carrying. We understand what we're housing. We're carrying that level of power and anointing everywhere we go. We don't have to be intimidated when we go into certain settings. Because we got the upper hand. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We have the upper hand. But we only realize that when we get to the place of saying, yes, I'm yielded to you. I surrender to you. Many more stories. We'd be here all day. But so many things that happen in the, in the season of our life. I'm glad we're beyond that season right now. But I do believe that they're coming back. 
because the witchcraft is at an all-time proportion in the pool always has been in politics but it's becoming more uh, politics in Hollywood but it's becoming more and more um, exposed and they're more blatant about it. it back when we were working with all this and studying about it you know it was uh, people were they were trying to hide it they didn't want people to know now they don't care such a demonic move going on now I'm not intimidated by that I hope you can tell that I'm not saying that to make any of us afraid what I'm trying to do is to tell you that you have to come to the place of understanding the power within and make a decision to release that power that is within so that the Holy Spirit can use you to touch others You've got to want it bad enough that you're going to seek it, Elisha. Run after your Elijahs. Run after them. Find those people that you can tell are your spiritual DNA. Hey, we're not everybody's spiritual DNA. And if you're not ours, I don't mean this ugly, but we wouldn't want you to come to our church because it's not going to work. You won't be happy. We won't be happy. And everybody will feel it. It'll just create a tension and a warfare in the atmosphere that nobody needs. So we know that everybody, it's hard to believe that everybody doesn't like us and everybody doesn't want to be in our ministry. But we know that. Finally, we've matured enough to understand that and realize that and to realize that's a blessing. If you don't belong with us, then go. Okay? Find your place. But when you're hungry, come back and receive whatever God's doing. And then take it back where you're called. You know, we're not all going to be working together. We're not all in that capacity. And that's okay. We've got to find our tribe. I said it last night. Kimberly said it yesterday at the luncheon. you got to find your tribe. Get there. Connect arms. And go to war. It's not time to sit back and relax. We don't have time for relaxing. And I'm sorry. There's no break in this war because we're fighting for lives. We're fighting for our family. We're fighting for our seed. We're fighting for the generations. Just know what you have within and let God use you. Bethany, would you come? awesome conference. Amen. It's awesome. And believe in God, next year it's going to be in a bigger building. And I got two and a half amens over that one. That's okay. No, I'm, it's two where two or three are gathered together, right? Um, just a few things that I, I felt to share. And then I'm very excited that I love prayer lines. I have, how many of you ever been in a prayer line? Prayer tunnel. She said, oh yeah. Because those moments like do something to you, right? And um, we're going we're gonna to do that because of space. I don't know if Pastor Bev has given instruction yet um, on how we're going to do that. No, because I, okay. No. Well, that's all that matters is that I take credit. And that if, if it doesn't work good, then, then we're going to give her the credit, okay? So that's how, we'll do, that's how we'll do that. But, you know, we have received, this is the end. This is the end of this year's conference. 
and we have received so much. We've had so many women that have come up, so many powerful, some women that I've never heard share. And then I look around and I see so many other women that I know is something in you that, you know, your story and things that you can impart. And each of us have that. And as Pastor Bev was talking about generational blessings, generational curses, um, went in line with some of the things that, that I felt to just share um, as we go into impartation. Because there was, there was and still is, and there is about to be even furthermore a impartation that we're going to receive. And um, the enemy knows that too. The enemy knows that too. And um, now, but we've got to be, um, you know, physically, there's only so much the physical man can handle of the presence of God because we are humans. And so, which is why you have people that, um, you know, they fall out under the power of God. I used to call it, they're slammed in the spirit, you know, but, um, and that's, that's awesome, right? Uh, but slain in the spirit and, you know, that happens and there's, there's a difference between that and a courtesy fall, but that's not what I'm sharing about today. But, um, anyway, but that, you know, right now, you know, our physical man may be tired because of the impartation that if you were at another conference for your business and what have you, that maybe you wouldn't feel kind of fit in your physical man tired, right? Um, but it's because of the impartation that that's taken place. And, um, uh, you know, the enemy will try to come and steal the seeds that were planted to stop the harvest. You know, in our life, we sow seeds. And this is just a law that has been instituted that is by the word of God that we sow seeds. And as a result of those seeds that are sown, it's just the law of how it happens that there is a harvest that is going to come as a result of that. And it's, that's awesome because there were seeds that were planted and, and, and sown during this conference that, that we're going we're gonna to reap a harvest of. There's also some conversations my husband and I had this week, and we were talking about this same principle, this godly principle that, um, you know, not even just tied to finances, but in our spiritual walk with God, that when we are in sin and we sow seeds that there are angels or sin or not in sin there are angels that are the ones that reap the harvest y'all tracking with me angels are the ones that reap that harvest and that's demonic angels and that's also heavenly angel angels dependent upon what seeds were sown And what I'm saying is, is that God has so much for us that if we in our lives and in our time, whether that we were in openly blatant sin where we sowed those seeds of sin and if we have not canceled those seeds, then demonic angels will come and then reap that harvest in our life for us, for our children for generations to come. There are things in my bloodline that I'm aware of that were seeds that were sown and that was sin that, that took place in my bloodline. I, I didn't have a part of it. In fact, I wasn't even born, you know, in those times. All of us can relate, right? We can relate. And, and there's things that we're not aware of that were seeds that were sown, but it is our responsibility in breaking generational curses that we cancel in the spirit realm those seeds so demons do not reap that harvest 
so that my children don't reap the harvest of what was taking place 10 years ago, uh, 20 years ago, you know, I, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. You understand? And so I just felt to share that, that, you know, it may have been things that you have done, things that I have done that have sown scenes in anger or fear or whatever that it might have been. God, I ask that you would forgive me and I repent of that and I break any tie and those seeds that I sowed in my life I cancel them that that it will not reap a demonic harvest for me for my family um, for our life and so I just wanted to challenge us with that because we cannot go further and have everything that God has for us until we do go in in the spirit realm and break those those demonic seeds that were sown does that make sense and, and we've, we, we need to do that for things that we've done, even for cities, even for nations where there's innocent blood that was shed uh, through abortion, through things that whether we were involved in that, whether we were not involved in that, but because we are here and occupying, you and I have the, uh, uh, the responsibility to break those seeds that were sown. Does that make sense? And so um, I felt to just share that, to challenge us with that, because everything that we say, there are angels that attach themselves to the words and they will follow and see them through. So as believers, as children of the most high God, our words are so powerful because we have a different, we carry the authority of Christ. So when I say things that are of, as a believer, if I say things that are negative, guess who grabs a hold of those words and will see them through that's not heavenly angels that's demonic angels so it's my responsibility as we were getting ready I don't know where Miss Vita is we're getting ready and I said something uh just casual yeah just casual I said I can't even remember what I said but we were trying to get set up and I said oh you know I said I just wasn't thinking straight on that I said oh I said you know I, I don't need to say that I don't need to say that I wasn't thinking right on that. I said, I, you know, and we need to we need to reverse those things and be conscientious of the words that we say. Um, I've been having some. Uh, my mom has been having some problems with her ear this week, on her right side, and um, she's like, it's the strangest thing. She called me before the women's conference. She says it's the strangest thing. She said it's really hard. Like I've never had this. It's it hurts. It's really hard on my side. It's like a beginning to like spread whatever. And so anyway, and so well then last night as we were driving home, um, I had not the sim same thing, but on my left side, uh, my ear, I started having some things that were not normal, some pain that was there and um, that was not there before. And so um, I was like, this is this is really weird. Like, this is not something that I just want to overlook. This has got to be something that's spiritual, that's having to do with this conference, having to do um, with some something that's affecting somebody here. And so I looked up the biblical um, definition of, or, you know, whatever, of ear. And it said, you know, for ear in Psalms 34, 15, it says it's used frequently um, as, you know, in a figurative sense. It, um, in 1 Samuel 22, it says to uncover the ear, to show respect to a person. Um, Isaiah 6, 10 says to have the ear heavy. And, and I felt that that was really interesting because I feel, you know, Pastor Bev was talking about relationships and who we allow to speak into our life and what 
are we listening to? And I feel that that there's it's too that's too different. That's no, um, you know. I don't think that anything just happens. It's just oh well, you know. Well, that just there we go. It, coincidence. Um, but that there are things that God will show us even in our physical man um, that it's in, indicative of what's happening in the spirit realm. And so I, I, just to challenge you all today that, you know, there may be some relationships and people that are causing your ears to be heavy. It's, it's a burdensome. Well, the Holy Spirit will give you guidance how to lovingly and with wisdom to be able to sever those those ties sever that relationship so because God does not want you to be you know he who has an ear let him hear you know maybe it's it's something that's blocking you from hearing what the word is saying that when you hear a message or you come to church or you're reading the word it feels like maybe you're not receiving you don't understand or have the revelation you know well we need to pray against that that whatever is blocking that that you will be able to hear what the word is saying Romans 1 11 through 12 it says for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you both of you and me and um, we're about to impart we there has been impartation but there's about to be more impartation. Pastor Bev, myself, uh, Miss Mary, uh, Miss Kathy, others that Pastor Bev is going to let you know um, that we're going to lay hands on you. And there's an impartation that takes place. And in that verse there, it says that they uh, uh, impart to you some spiritual gift to the end that you, that you may be established. Established there means strengthened. I'm going to be strengthened. Spiritual gift, the impartation of a spiritual gift is going to strengthen your spirit. We are going back home. We have been imparted to, we've been poured into, but we're going back home. And so, but it, we have the opportunity to change the atmosphere with what we carry, with the seeds that we cancel amen we cancel those negative seeds that were sown that we've done that our family's done maybe people living in a house have done we cancel those seeds amen and and we are going to reap a harvest from heavenly angels in our life amen and for and so i, I just wanted to uh, you know we're going to have a raised expectation that it's, we're going to be strengthened. That's what happens is that when we, when there's hands that are laid on, we are strengthened, uh, not just by anybody, you know, be careful. Let me just say, you know, um, I recently had somebody who want to lay hands on me and pray for me in particular when I was pregnant with blaze and, um, I'm going to go into all that, but anyhow, you know, we can't let just anybody, you know, I didn't want everybody just touching my belly. This is my, you know, so my body. Anyway, <laughs> you know, I don't want everybody just touching me. And, and definitely when you have those level of hormones in your system with the baby, you know, inside, it just is, it's really fun. It's a lot of fun. You could excuse it off on everything and I can't do that anymore. So second Timothy one, six through seven, and I'm not going to, we're going to wrap, I'm going to wrap it up, but it says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame, yeah. 
the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and this is the worst curse word ever, self-control. Man, we've got, to, we've got to control our own actions and the words that we say. Oh, my gosh. But he's given us that power. It's a supernatural thing that we have the power, amen, to control ourself. Whew, man, that's a lot of power. I'll tell you that for myself. I know that's got to be a lot of power. The gift is referred as fire, which if not frequently stirred up, this is why we come to conferences, this is why we go, you know, to crusades, is because we frequently need to be stirred up. But even though we go to conferences, Bethany has a responsibility to fan the flame within her and while she's washing dishes, while she's folding clothes, while I'm rocking my children, you know, to sleep. I have a responsibility, you have a responsibility to fan into flame the gift of God is already within you. I know that some of us are anxious for receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's going to happen today. It's going to happen today because we have people here that are going to help that, um, you know, we're not fabricating anything. We're not, you know, trying to give you, you know, say this syllable and then it'll happen. No, it's going to, the genuine power of the Holy Ghost, Holy, Holy Spirit's already in you. When you accepted Jesus into your heart, into your life, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're already living in there. Now is the time for the activation to fan into flame. You have your own language, amen, that you communicate with the Holy Spirit. That when I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, I'm praying it, what I don't even know what I'm praying. But I'm telling, I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through me. And he's beginning to pray things that I, off of my children, off of my seed, off of today, off of tomorrow, off of this year that I didn't even know were coming. And so I believe that, that I, I know that that's going to happen today. And as we transition and get ready for the, for prayer, we are going to move this. But Miss Kim, um, I had the Lord begin to speak to me about you last night and I wrote it down because I would forget <laughs> if I didn't. Um, <laughs> And so I, the, I felt the Holy Spirit telling me these, these words, is that you have felt as if you are unpurposeful in this season, in, in this season. But God says that you are full of my purpose. You are full of my purpose. It seems as, it, as your, your seasons change, excuse me, your season change is long overdue. But the Lord says to you today that it's go time that today is go time, that you have been in a season where you have felt at times of where is my purpose in this season? Where is my purpose? And, and God wanted me to remind you that you are full of his purpose and that the season change is long overdue. There's been a lot of delays. There's been some demonic detours that have taken place, but it's go time now. And all of that was for a time to build you up for where you are, to set you out and to, uh, that you will spring forth for such a time as this. And um, I just wanted to say that. I wanted to say to Michaela, not I wanted to say, but to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through me. So clarifies for anybody who wants to, you know, throw tomatoes at me. But um, Michaela, um, you are such an encourager. And um, you were encouraging me today. I was talking about... 
uh, I was like, oh man, I'm kind of nervous to get up there, you know, to sing today. And she's, and she said, uh, she said, oh, you're going to do great. You're going to do awesome. It's going to be, or I can't remember exactly what she said, but you know, you have such a kind heart and you're very sensitive to the spirit realm. And you have been since you were a little girl and you sense atmospheres, you sense individuals that may be carrying things that are not godly. And that is a gift that God has given to you and is going to teach you how to develop course you have godly parents that are gonna that are cultivating that but God is gonna teach you and you're gonna begin to hear at a greater level um, I don't know if you experienced this as of yet but dreams there's gonna be dreams and you're gonna find the rhythm of where and how God speaks to you for example God uses our senses so Sometimes God will speak audibly to people. Sometimes God will speak to people and they feel it in their body, which is how I hear. I hear the Lord by what I feel in my body. Um, I hear the Lord many times by it's like, oh, I just know that. But that wouldn't have been something I was thinking about, right? And so you're going to learn. God is taking you in a season um, right now that you're going to start learning and be very confident of the voice of God in your life because God has set you apart to be a leader in this generation, to bring healing to those that are broken, those that are rejected, that you will with love and extend your hands to those that feel rejected and, and, and pushed aside, that you will, God's going to use you and, you and there's healing that's in your hands. And I'm prophesying to you right now, this was not uh, something that I... Um, you know, just we're like, oh, this would be great to say. Well, this is, I feel the Holy Spirit is saying this to you, that this is a season that God is going to, he's ordaining your steps and even relationships. Girl, God's got you. He's bringing the right relationships into your life. And right now, we cancel every demonic distraction, every relationship that would not be of the Lord. And uh, God's going to use you also in with the platform of the arts that you're already involved in the arts. And watch and see what God's going to do with that, how that's going to be an, uh, a catalyst for ministry as well. But it's not, don't, uh, don't allow people to put you in a box and don't put yourself in a box because this is a, this is going to be such a fun time for you to be able to understand and be confident of how the Lord is speaking to you, you know, and, and expect God to give you dreams. When God gives you dreams, write them down, type them up and, and, and then just see, see what happens, you know? Uh, and so I just wanted to encourage you in that and to just share that with you, that God has his hand upon you. You know, the thing that I, I want to share this is that as this is, um, pertaining to what I'm hearing the Holy Spirit saying about your life. You know, when I was a teenager, I, I, I was, um, let me see, how, how do I, how do I say this? Like, uh, I knew that God had marked me. And as a result of him knowing, as, as a result of me knowing that I was marked by God, I knew that I couldn't just hang out with anybody. And I know that you already know that. So I'm not, you know, thinking, oh, you need to go sever ties, okay? But with that level of, oh, let me see how I can, I can put this into words. God, I knew that God marked me and I knew that God set me apart, but I didn't feel as if I was missing out on things. There was no lack. And 
in this generation, which is totally different than when me and your mom, you know, were kids, um, there's social media, there's all kinds of stuff, you know, and we can feel as if, you know, with uh, all of the things that are, you know, that, that when we shield or when our parents shield us from certain things, that we can, the enemy can make us feel as if we're missing out. But, but God has set you apart and you have such a purity about you that is being protected for this season and, you know, for your whole life. I hope that that makes sense because I'm trying to be careful, like, how I present this. And so um, God just got a great thing for you. And just understand that you are marked, you know, and understand that, you know, just because um, other people are doing things, you're not missing out if you're not going. In fact, people notice already there's something that's different about you, which is why they're already telling you all their junk right they're telling you all that stuff because and you got to protect your purity which i know that you do so don't take that any kind of way i'm just reedifying i'm sure what your parents already say but i um it's, it's very exciting what god is going to do in your life are you ready all right Let's get situated. Y'all, whoever wants to come up, we're going to get that. Pastor Bev's going to come and... I'm going to ask a couple of you to come through the line first. Because after you come through, then I want you to help us pray with other people and help us form the tunnel. How does that sound? Okay. So I would like for... Uh, Kimberly, you said you felt led about renouncing something. Why don't you come? She just did that. Okay, I thought when she was saying things, I th kind of thought that too. And she wasn't in here. She was out nursing a baby. <laughs> she didn't hear you. Okay. Um, so I'm going to ask for um, Vita, if you would come. Catherine Legg. Kathy Abair. Um, Destiny. If y'all would just stand right there. I'm going to have y'all come through first. Just me and Bethany are going to pray for y'all. Um, I think it's on the other. That's fine right there. Start about right there. I guess. I don't know. Bethany's in charge of this. I'm telling you. I'm not kidding. Okay. So, yeah, just go line by them if you don't mind. And Marquise, it, I know you're probably busy, but can you, yeah, I want you praying for people. Can you get up here and help me? Kimberly, can you get